Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the broadcast. Um, we are, we, I mean, we just have a, a lineup today that is just going to be a lot of fun. So we got, we've got some passionate disciple people. Like if you're watching this broadcast and you're thinking, all right, who we got on today? I bet they're excited. They love the excited word. Y'all have heard me trash that because I'm the worst at using that word. Okay. I got it. So yes, we're excited, of course, but, um, it's going to be a lot of fun today talking about our topic, uh, which we're talking about, you know, how do you start a discipleship pathway process. And so um, I'm excited to join you all. I said it. I'm part of the discipleship team here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And we have Ray Sullivan, also a discipleship consultant. How are things in your neck of the woods, Ray? Things are wonderful down here in the Southern Kingdom. That's awesome. And then we have Kenny Sexton, who is in the middle of the Southern Kingdom uh, down there in Satilla Baptist Church. He's the lead pastor over there. Um, and he's also the regional director with the Bonhoeffer Project. Kenny, how are things in the central, south central area? Man, they're going great. And I'm so glad that we get cooler weather. That means the gnats start leaving the area. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that a, that is an answered prayer request every year. The Lord has yes. it like on his, on his list of prayer requests. He's like, I got it. The gnats are going to die. Just give it, just give it a little bit. So, uh, and speaking of gnats and below the gnat line, we have Dr. Dwayne Logston over there. He's the associate pastor of discipleship and other duties as assigned at By Memorial Baptist Church. Many of us have that in our title, don't we, Dwayne? Absolutely. I have a myriad of hats that I have to wear. That's just part of kingdom work. That is part of it. And so he's, he's doing a great job over there in all of Benny, Georgia. And so, Ray, uh, let's just kind of dive into this. And, and I want to get you to kind of unpack a little bit of what we do uh, with the watershed. You know, our team is very po uh, passionate about this for a lot of different reasons, but we might have new viewers that maybe aren't, aren't, aren't aware of what the, uh, when we say the watershed principle, what that is um, and how to deploy that maybe in their ministry context. So define that a little bit for us. Yeah, PJ, I remember, you know, when, when Scott came and we first started putting together uh, this discipleship team. And, and I remember it was a blessing for me because, you know, Scott took the strategy and the approach. He said, look, guys, you know, we, we've, we've all done programs. We've all had things that we've kind of plugged into our church, plug and play. And that's not what we're going to be about. And I know that all of us came in and said, you know, we don't, we don't want to sell a program. This is more about a, a process. And so I remember uh, a retreat that we had. And I remember thinking through and talking about the watershed principle. And that's just what it is, the watershed principle. And hopefully we can get, a, we can get a, a graphic up on the screen today. So those of you who haven't seen it can see this. It is a principle. It's not a strategy. It's a way to begin to develop a strategy. And this is what I like. As a pastor for many years, um, it was so easy to try to take somebody else's model and plug it in. And it, maybe it worked for a while, but it wasn't sustainable. 
But what I found and what I love to talk about with guys is, look, you already have a lot of these elements in your ministry. And so what we did is we, we defined, you know, this watershed principle. And a watershed is that piece of land up above a stream, above a waterfall that channels all the streams together that brings us to that life transformation. And that life transformation is what we want to see. That's, that's the person that we want to see. That's the person that people look at the community and say, I want that. And then down below that is that world impacting disciple maker, which moves on out and then creates more streams. And so the process just continues to, to keep cycling. And so when you look at the graphic and when you look at what we're talking about, we have defined these six healthy streams that need to be in partnership. They need to be coming together in order for you to have that life transformation moment. And that's what I love about this for pastors out there. This isn't something new. This isn't a new program. This is looking at what you're already doing. And how do you take those streams, your, your outreach arm, that reach section, that, that lead, your leadership development, the teaching arm of your church, which is um, in your Sunday school or groups or whatever that may be, um, you know, the, the multiplying aspect, we want to train people up to, to go out and, and to multiply what, what uh, they've received, keeping balance between the large group gathering and the small group, and ultimately, most importantly, that individual time with the Lord, and then getting people involved using their gifts and service. So you probably already have things in your church. When you begin to think about a pathway, you, you've got these things taking place. The, the question is, how are they all coming together and bringing that life transformation moment, that waterfall uh, moment. So that that's the beauty about the watershed. And so if you haven't seen that yet, take a look at that. It's a great way to begin to think about this disciple making pathway, because if you're just sitting here right now as a pastor saying, you want me to start something else in my church, you want me to create a whole new ministry, a whole new program, and that could be overwhelming. But let's begin to look at what are you already doing? How do we channel those things together? And um, so these, these areas of your church aren't siloed, but they're coming together to create that life transformer, transforming moment. That's what we want to do. And that's really, I think, the beginning process in developing this disciple-making process that's not just a one-time thing, but it just continues to flow yeah. well on after it started. Yeah. And, you know, and a clear sign that you need a disciple making strategy, right? Because this is like, you could think things are going well and it's no big deal, but you know, if the, the majority of our people are showing up on Sunday and it's the first time they've heard from God or read his word at all that week, yeah. I mean, you need a strategy. Clearly you're not hitting what you're aiming for. You know, if they're dependent on another human to give them the inspired word, you know, we might have a problem with what this pathway is, you know, we could feel good about it for those 45 minutes or hour and a half, depending on your church. And, and you feel like you're really imparting those things, but that's just one part, you know, that that's only one hour in a week that we're working with. And we need our people in God's word every week. So we're going to give you a couple tips at the end uh, that kind of explain a little bit about how you can do that um, and do that. Now, now I know what you're thinking, like, it's really hard to just start down this pathway. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Um, John Acuff has a great book. Um, it's, it's start, you know, punch fear in the face. Like, I love that title. I think, I think most of us would love that title. And so one of the quotes that he has on that is if you're going, uh, to risk and maybe fail, fail at something that matters, fail gloriously so that even in failure, life, uh, lives are changed. 
And I think that's, that's a big part. Like this, this is kind of scary. Like I am putting myself out there and you know, what will my leaders think of me? And, and I go through all the negative things in my, in my head when I'm making that list of like, why I shouldn't do that. I can think of all the things I shouldn't do. Um, but, but man, maybe, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth failing on, on this one. Wouldn't you say, Ray? Yeah. So, so let's jump in. I'm glad Kenny is here with us. And I know Kenny has done a lot with the Bonhoeffer project. So Kenny, let's just help our guys by thinking this way. So let's, let's just dive in. Um, what are the headwaters um, that we need to face when starting a discipleship pathway? What are those challenges that are going to come right off the bat? Well, guys, thanks for having me on. I'm excited about having this topic to talk about uh, being a regional director and leading some cohorts uh, with the Bonhoeffer Project. Uh, this is something we spend about five months in. We have a 10-month cohort that, uh, man, we just love getting people through the process uh, in. It is not a program. It is a process. And what I love about it is very specific to your location. So uh, us four on this Zoom call could be in a cohort and each one of us that have a contextually a DFP at the end of the end of the time. So, and they're all very different uh, in that, in that way. But uh, when we talk about the headwaters for us, we're talking about scripture specifically. Uh, we're talking about going upstream to the gospel. What we, what we try to define is, is this, this statement that Bill Hull has said many times, the gospel you preach determines the disciples you produce. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the gospel you preach is determining, man, what you're producing. And so what, we, what we've recognized is there's basically six gospels being preached today. And let me just, just real quickly tell them, forgiveness only gospel, uh, consumer gospel, prosperity gospel, uh, gospel of the left, gospel right, and then the discipleship gospel. And he's, you know, Bill's defining saying that, listen, these things are not wrong. They're just incomplete. We have, we have realized that over the last 30 years or even plus, that um, we have gotten somebody, somebody's uh, become a Christian, they've been saved, and then that is the finish line. And so the gospel we've been preaching really says that discipleship is optional. So this whole follow me component is very different. Uh, but we know, you know, us four and, this, the, and the, the folks listening to this uh, coming up is the fact that, listen, uh, what we realize is that discipleship is not optional. Man, when we become a Christian, it, that's the beginning of everything. That's the beginning of this whole deal. And so the discipleship gospel is one that's more robust. It's just more complete in, in what we're talking about. So we spend really five months going through this to talk about being upstream. We're going to the gospel to see how did Jesus define discipleship and define the gospel. What is he saying? And we wrestle with these these terms in that sense, but that, that's what we're doing. So if you can think about this picture, we're, we're, you're sitting in a kayak, Ray, and we're holding you in this kayak. And man, we know that you want to go downstream to get into those rapids, to get in the fun parts, get in the plan, the process. And man, you want to, you want to get on and just have a great time, but we're holding you back on purpose. So you can, we can really get a reformulation of your theology of discipleship. We really do have to do a couple of things. We have to deconstruct and reconstruct. We have to take things in that, that you're, you've been looking at, and we have to deconstruct those thought processes to get down the foundation and rebuild. And so, man, my whole process was life-changing for me because when I realized that, hey, I, I had a different take on discipleship, I had to deconstruct what I had built and then build it back up. And so by doing that, well, yeah, it's not a program. It's a process. Um, and, and I know that in this specific location, it's going to look different than another church or, or somebody up uh, in northern part of the state or in another country. But I had to really take this gospel 
and say, okay, what is it? What is Jesus teaching us in the gospel? And then get those, get that clearly defined in my mind, which takes about really five months for us to unpack that so we can have a better, better, we really understand it better when we get downstream. So when we finally let you go in that kayak, you're going to have a great time looking at all the other processes that they're in place. That's good. I, I like how you said that you're rethinking your theology, uh, Kenny, because man, it's just so easy. Pastors are so busy. And I think about our bivocational guys, you know, and they're watching mm. this today and they're going, good gracious, man, I've got, I'm just trying to preach a sermon on Sunday. I'm just trying to make sure that the bathrooms are open. Uh, the parking lot's been mowed and, and you're talking about a, a whole new program, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a process. And so it begins with what you think. So the headwaters, I think that are coming at you are to be careful not to just jump into another program. Hey, this is just another thing we're going to do, but let's think through this and let's think through what is Jesus calling us to do and what is disciple making and how do I take what I'm already doing and channel that before I go rushing into those rapids down? Because a lot of us have rushed in and man, we have, we have turned it upside down and just about drowned. Um, I have been, right. there. Man, I appreciate and Ray, if I can, okay. if I can interject this in there, it, it's that we're spending some time clarifying the why, mm. right? So many cohorts or many times we start looking at a plan we get into the process of how to do it, but we really don't go up to the why to ask the why mm. and define the why, which is going to drive the belief of it. Right. And so we've got to get up here to define the why. And that's why we spend so much time in it. So that way we can get down down process. A lot of other cohorts that we have, we realize that they, they really want to say, hey, can you just give us the stuff and then, yeah. then let, let's just implement your stuff. But we really want to reformulate your theology so you can get down the why of it. It's good yeah. stuff. Well, and, and so just a reminder to be chatting. Um, if you're not chatting on our Facebook group, uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast or you're listening to it on YouTube, we, we chat live uh, in this for a reason. Um, we really like to engage with you. So we want to know where you're from uh, so that we can give you some swag. We love passing out some swag. Um, but more importantly, we love being uh, connected in community. And that's what that chat does for us. So please, please be doing that. And, um, and shameless plug, I guess, for for what we do as, as consultants, Ray, is that if some of this is like, I'm already underwater, like you held me back in the headwaters and I'm drowning, uh, thanks very much. Um, we are here to help walk you through that. You know, Kenny does do that with the Bonhoeffer Project. So just know, like chat in there, like I'd love to know more or I want some, or you can reach out to us um, through our website and get to know us on this. But Dwayne, you know, as we, if we've gotten to know each other um, over, over the past year, um, it's just been really cool to see what you what you've been doing at Vine and, and how you've done it. And, and I um, I'm really, you know, a lot of guys maybe can get to a part or think about it, you know, but they don't want to be held back. So that's a lot. But, you know, even if they get there, like we want to give a snippet, you know, we're not we're not doing all of this. But, you know, what is it like trying to get a discipleship pathway deployed at a church? What has your experience been? Well, I found out that, uh, again, go back to the idea of process versus program. Uh, helping from the staff on down to the leadership, on, you know, people in the church, uh, the understanding that it is a process. It's a lifestyle, really, when you start talking about making of disciples and the process of helping somebody to, to get to that point where they are, they become a disciple maker is more than just a program. That is one of the difficulties is that getting a, a an understanding that it's not, this is not something that you, uh, you get a book, you get a completion certificate at the end, and you've, you've reached your goal. You've got a, a completion certificate. It's developing 
the church and the people in the church so that uh, the process becomes part of the DNA, that the language of discipleship and the fellowship that is associated with that, that the, the process of multiplication is, is understood and that everybody should be a, a disciple maker. It's not just, oh, you got your pastor or your, your leaders that, that are doing that, but your Sunday school teachers, your life group leaders, getting those people to understand that they're not just, they're not just there passing on biblical information. They are disciple makers or they should be disciple makers. Um, and then again, they know that you are not the end process. The person just achieving a goal of a, of a paper or completing some booklet or something of that nature, that is absolutely not the end. Uh, Kenny, I appreciate you. It, it, we have, others have mentioned, it's just not, there's not the, the end goal is, is, is eternity. I mean, it, this is an ongoing process that to me, the one-on-one -on -one is missing in so many churches. And with us, with the, the bind pathway to purpose, the idea there here is to get our, those who are go through the pathway to understand that it's only the beginning that once they are have been on the pathway that they've been discipled they have some training uh some of the majors uh with you know sharing your faith with worship with being ready for spiritual warfare uh serving god understanding what it means to be a mentor that you take that molding and shaping and the disciplines of the faith that you have developed as you're going through walking along this pathway and that you turn around and you multiply you invest uh, into someone else that you just learning, you just getting through is, is by no means the end goal. Uh, I don't give a certificate of completion. I give a, a certificate of continuation. Yeah. Uh, you have, you, you have been trained, but your training is, is, is so much more. It should develop into a lifestyle where you then want to turn around and invest in somebody else. And unless you think that you can't, Hey, generally there's somebody out there that you're one step ahead of in your walk with the Lord. So there's somebody that you can come alongside, that you can mentor, that you can help through the pathway into the process of growing and maturing uh, as a Christian. Yeah. So and you, and you, said, you said this when we were meeting with each, with each other, um, people don't understand a process. They feel a program. And that is so hard. Like the frustration in what we're saying right now is that we do want you to be part of a process and it looks like this. And they're like, okay, so is that, where do I buy the book? Where, where, where is the six weeks? Do I meet every morning at 4 a.m. with somebody? Like, tell me what the program is. I'll get with the program. And you're like, there is no program. Like this, this, is, a, this is an ongoing refinement in the image of Christ. Yes. What does that mean? You know, and so there are things, there are tools that we do like infographics to, to make it understandable, to make it consumable. This is what we're going to be about in this context. And, mm -hmm. but it's never as pretty when it gets deployed. Is it, is it Dwayne? No, no. I mean, the, the, it's, it's a, it's a learning process. Yeah. Uh, it, it should be a, the Lord, word of God is living and active, you know, and, and it's all about the word and getting the word in, in front of people and, and having people be in the word and get, grab, grab that understanding of, of what that means to, again, it turn around and invest God and his word into somebody else. But people just don't, people don't grasp that. For, for many people, the, the old training union uh, was, was the model that they were used to. They'd come to a class in the afternoon and they leave that class and maybe go to worship or something else. And, and that, that was the extent of it. So again, the, 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 the idea of, uh, 
I need to, that I am growing so that I can turn around and help somebody else grow. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. not just participate in one on large group in worship and one on small group, although the small groups are a part of this process, but to get to the understanding that I'm called to invest in and in another individual to want one-on-one. I didn't have that growing up. I, I missed that. And, and, and I, I'm now in the point in my ministry that I realize how incredibly important that would have been and the difference it makes. And I think that's missing in so many churches to get to the point where one-on-one or at least one-on-two or three uh, can develop someone, that personal, that investment, that person's important to you or those people are important to you. You develop the kind of relationship where you're encouraging each other. Unless you can get past the fact, get people to understand that it's more than just that program, that completion, then you you can't get to that point. So there is a challenge. There's a redefining and an understanding because so many of our people have been used to a class and being done. Yeah. And that, and that's gosh. And, and this is why it gets sideways so quick. Right. Ray. Like we, we start off with good intentions. We, we, we got something figured out. You may, we, we may have gone through something like the Bonhoeffer project and slowed down for a year, but then it gets messy, you know? So how do we, how are we disciplined enough to stay on track? All right. I'll say it this way. All right. I'm the only non-pastor on this, on this talk today. All right. All of y'all been senior pastors, lead pastors, uh, you know, and Kenny was in the, the second chair and then he came to this. Dwayne was in the first chair and I was in the second chair and, and raising like every chair, like he's basically got a whole pew to himself. All right. He said in a bunch of these. And so, so I, I, as the second chair guy, you know, how do we stay disciplined enough when everything's vying for our attention to stay on this discipleship pathway in the local church? How'd you do it? Gosh, man, PG, I think you just asked probably the most important question. Um, for most of the guys that are probably watching today. And I mean, I would just, I think we all need to lean in here right now. And I wish I had, I wish I had the perfect answer, but it is extremely difficult. And again, whether you are a full-time pastor with multiple staff or whether you are a bivocational pastor, everybody deals with this because there are so many different things coming at you every single day. And let's face it, programs are easier to maintain. We can say we're doing something. We can check the box and say we've done our job. But the Bible says that the goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That, that's the Before we get to heaven, that's the end game here. It's to look like Jesus in his activity, in his integrity, the way he thought, the way he had. That's what we're trying to get in our people. So we've got to, number one, we've got to define what is the goal. What's the win? And we've got to keep that in front of us because we will get distracted so easily. Guys, I'm speaking from experience here. It's just so easy. I got a funeral. I got to preach. I got this going on. I got my kids playing ball. I've got, you know, my wife's dealing with this at work. And gosh, it could just be overwhelming. You're like, you know what? Just pick up the bulletin and there's a list of stuff to do. We got it going on. But we're not making disciples. And so that word discipline, I think number one, we've got to be in community with other disciple makers. We've got to, that's the whole goal of the learning communities. That's, I think that's what Bonhoeffer project is all about. It's whatever it is. It's you've got to be around other disciple makers, continually talking this out and keeping focused on the goal. And because if you don't, you are going to get sucked up in all the other activities. It's just, it's not, it's not anything against you. You're not a bad pastor. You haven't lost your way. You're not being used by the devil. You're just trying to keep your head above water. And so being in relationship with other disciple makers, 
in community groups, also in your church. I think that's where it's important for a pastor to lead a D group, to lead, to have those guys around him that he's continually talking this out and working this out. Because if, if you're not doing it, it's going to be easy to get distracted and get in something else. I think that the second thing that I would say to discipline is this is where the pathway comes in. You've got to have something that you are focused on that is reminding you every single day what the goal is. Because if you're not, you're you're going to it's the it's the necessity of the of of what's what's available, you know, the urgency of what's available right there. That's what you're that's where you're gonna go. I remember in Cordial. I had gone to one of the uh, real life discipleship trainings and I remember seeing the, you know, the wheel that Jim Putnam talked about. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I did with that is we, we didn't have a discipleship pathway at that time, but I remember coming back and uh, I had asked the guy at the training, cause they had this big, huge, I mean, it was probably, it was almost the size of a wall and we were finishing up with it. And I said, are you going to, are you going to keep that or throw it away? He said, we're going to throw it away. I said, can I have it? And he said, yeah, man, you can have it. And so uh, I took it, it came in four big sheets of paper and I put it on the wall in my office and it covered most of the, the wall in my office. And it was just, it was, it was what I looked at all of the time and it kept me thinking. And so when we had staff meetings, we came in there, we sat around the room and I said, okay, how is this helping people move to maturity? Where does what we're doing fit into this? So it wasn't our process at that time, but it was something that kept me focused. And so in a, in a deacon's meeting, in staff leadership training, whatever it was. So, man, it's so valuable for you as a pastor to have something in place that's keeping you focused, but also where your church can look at and say, look, I know we've done this ministry for 35 years. I get it. But tell me how it fits into this process. Mm -hmm. And then now people are, are beginning to think the way you're mm -hmm. thinking. So I, I think that's critical. One other thing I did, PJ, I don't, I don't know if we can do this on the broadcast, but, man, I remember... I remember getting, you know, frustrated with distraction and um, I was on a sabbatical and my son who uh, at that time, he had talked about getting a tattoo forever. And I'm like, you know, Colin, you know, we, we're not, you know, you got to remember that dude tattoos may look good when you're young, but man, when you get older, you know, you put that Eagle on there and it looks like a, a wet chicken by the time you're 50, you know, it starts shriveling up and, you know, so, but we finally told him, look, when you're 18, dude, you can, you know, and he wanted something, um, you know, Christian, you know, and about his faith. And so I remember I was on the sabbatical and he was with me and, and um, I was wrestling with this in, as a pastor. And uh, so he said, dad, will you get one with me? And I'm like, I can't, man, I can't have a tattoo. I'm a pastor. You know, what's going to happen if I get a tattoo? I'm at First Baptist Church Cordial, you know, and I just remember thinking about this and uh, I did. And it, it's right there and it's Acts 1-8 and it, it was the church logo at the time, which was basically our, our vision of inreach and outreach. And I remember coming back and sitting down with our leadership after that. And, and sometimes people question, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And, and I just remember one time saying, guys, look, all I can tell you is I'm all in. I'm all in to, to what we're doing. I'm all into where God has led us. This is how all in I am. This isn't going anywhere. This is a reminder to me every day that I'm a disciple maker, whether I'm here or whether I'm at another church or whether I'm with the mission board. This reminds me, this is what it's all about. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get a tattoo. Um, you want to, you know, whatever. I, I'm just saying you've got to be clear in your mind what you're called to do. 
And however you do that, tattoo it on your arm, carve it in your dog, put it on your refrigerator, whatever you got to do, have that vision. And man, that's where the discipleship pathway is huge because I, I think, you know, vision, visuals, words, all of those things create influence. Yeah. And so, and so on that note, um, um, are we going to give some tattoo shops that people can go to? That are <laughs> or maybe that's too far. Maybe it's too far, but hey, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we do like henna tattoos for discipleship things we can send out for swag? Uh, that'd be awesome. And we could, and Kenny could get like the, the whole watershed um, on his back, you know, like shoulder blade to shoulder blade. We got room up top for the water to fall down. Um, so as so you're chatting go. today, as you're on the chat, Scott is never going to let us do this again. Ever. You know that, don't you? Ever. Scott yeah. is not going to ever turn the two of us loose. But as you're on the chat today, chat about what you think would be a cool disciple making tattoo. Uh, I think that'd be, I think that'd be good. And so um, <laughs> <laughs> we want we hey, to, we're going to go out. If we're going to go out, PJ, we're going to go yeah, out. We're, we're digging that hole. That's great. So uh, now that we've decided that words and uh, graphics can create worlds, I want to hear from, from Kenny uh, and Duane, I want to hear like why it's so important to do those things. Cause when I met with both of you, it was very apparent to me that y'all got this issue. And, and obviously Ray has gone down his uh, crazy journey that, that we know way endorse at the Georgia Baptist Mission more, but <laughs> Kenny, tell us about words and worlds for you, like in your context, How, why, why are they so important in the pathway? Well, the, the words really help you define culture and, and, and shape culture. Um, I've said this before. I mean, we can look at it contextually in, in our society today. No political statement here at all. Just, just, just hear me out on it. But when you hear the word vaccine, as a 50-plus-year-old guy, I have a different mindset or different definition of what that word means. And I think that also just really comes into the church. What is your definition of that word? And that word makes an impact on what they think, because so let's just ask this question. Let's just let's just pass out an index card to all of your congregation members or regular attenders that come in your door, guests that come in the door and say, OK, on this index card today, I want you to define in just a brief like four, three, four sentences, one sentence, whatever. What is a disciple? How many different definitions would you get? Yeah. OK, if you were to just say, hey, what is the gospel? and let them put a little short definition of that, how many would we get? And so when you want to change the culture, shape it in such a way, you want the people to be able to, to your congregation members to get in that elevator that they've got 15 seconds and they can give that spill really quick. That's sticky. It's, it's a sticky uh, quote. It's a sticky definition. And it's something that they, they can share. And you know, man, when that stuff's going around in your culture of your church, that they're they're now saying those words in in your church you know that your culture is changing but if we've all got our own definitions it's we we know we've got work to do that's right that's right Dwayne. yeah culture is important i mean the idea of again dna part of the church feeding people to understand uh the the words the the pictures uh I, i'll try not to digress back to our, our tattoos but uh, when we started the, the process here of, of discipling, again, it's pathway to purpose, the idea of purpose, the, the word purpose being included in that. There is, a, there is a, a bigger kingdom picture behind what we're, what we're doing. This isn't just something that we've picked up from somebody else or another church that we are, 
We are wanting to do what scripture says that we should be doing, who we should become, defining what the disciple, there is a somewhat of an end goal. What does that disciple look like? We're talking about defining a disciple, but also what are we trying to achieve? How, how do we make them? What does that look like in their life? What, what characteristics? The whole process itself for us, the, the, the words, taking the, the idea of pathway, I've expanded on that in different sections. I know, Ken, you talk about the, there's different areas that y'all look at over the, the months that, that your cohorts meet. You know, for us, it's it's different segments, different steps along the way. So the word step mm -hmm. and the idea of our walk and moving forward, all of that is verbal pictures, helping people to grasp a hold of what we believe is a, a the bigger picture of creating disciples who make disciples, mm -hmm. people who become disciple makers. So that terminology, we even have icons. You know, we live in we live in an iconic uh, environment. So that was, so I guess I could get a the series of uh, icons because each of our steps along the way has a specific icon. We wanted our people not only just have the words, we wanted the visual of these icons. So when they pop up, people will understand. Uh, in my mm -hmm. stuff, I write in our, our bind line, you know, the ongoing process. I throw one of those icons in there. In my, my small group uh, leader meetings, we, we still look at those icons. We talk about these different things. We're getting them to, a, to understand a new vocabulary that they hope will become mm -hmm. part of, again, right. their talk, their discussion, their mindset. What are we trying to do? It gives them places to hang things, to, to hangers, to move forward, to have definition, to have purpose. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna get some icon tattoos. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get some icon tattoos. I do t-shirts right now. So yeah, I, I guess I'll take them a step further. I'll, I'll have them. Uh, I have them appointment lined up with some of the the, the tattoo parlors we're talking about. They can go get a tattoo when they get certain steps along. Maybe the way. Yeah. just start with the t-shirt. Just, just, just start with the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So well, and, and and that was one thing that I realized too when we met was like, you know, here's our t-shirts, here's our signs. Like you went all in on this to help people understand that you're creating this new culture. And so, you know, as we wrap things up, and and we. We really appreciate y'all for sticking with us. It is a big topic. You know, there's a lot to unpack, but you can see this and, and we're going to come back and probably revisit this again so that we can unpack what it's like when you start deploying this, because you might have more questions than what that is, but we have to start. Um, I keep going back to this idea of start. And, and again, John Acuff's book is great because it's just full of these great quotes to remind us, right? But you don't need to go back in time to be awesome. Man, doesn't that hit us in the face? You know, like we think, man, if I'd have started this two years ago, okay? But he goes on to say, you just have to start right now. Regretting that you didn't start earlier is a great distraction from moving forward in your dream today. The reality is that today is earlier than tomorrow. Like it, just because you haven't done that so far doesn't mean you can't and you need to go for it. And we talked about how two things were real important um, when we we're talking about that personal relationship with the Lord. And this is all culminating together in that, right? If we don't have this consistent language that we're talking about from the pulpit, then people aren't going to be encouraged to read God's word on their own throughout the week. They're going to be encouraged to come here, you deliver it. And that's not what we want, right? We want people in God's word doing personal engagement. And so we have to use those words. And then the second thing is that we got to model it. We got to be the leaders that talk about being in God's word. What did you read today? What did you read yesterday? Not because I want to read the Bible through in a year and have a pen when I'm done, right? I, I really want to be a person who's so in God's word that I don't think about having to tell people. It just comes 
out of us. And so we want to be that. And so um, thank you all for joining us today. Ray, why, why don't you wrap us up, man? Yeah, thank you so much. And guys, I mean, like PJ said, this is a, this is a, a deep topic topic here we're talking about. And man, we could talk forever. I mean, we could sit here on, on this call all day long, but look, that's what learning communities are for. That's that's our passion. We don't have all the answers, but you see two guys right here that know this stuff, that are dealing with this stuff. There's guys all around you that are, you don't have to do this by yourself. And so reach out, put your name on the chat here. If you want to be involved in a learning community, we'll get you connected and you can sit and have these same conversations as you begin to flesh this out. What does this look like for you? What does this look like in your church? You don't have to do this by yourself. There's other people out there to help you through this. So I just thank you so much, guys for being with us uh, today. Uh, Kenny, if somebody wants to reach out to you, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can reach out to me. Um, if, they, if they want to contact me, just uh, 229-329-1059 or Kenny Sexton at Mac.com, either way. Okay, we'll try to put those in the in the links today. Dwayne, what about you, my friend? Uh, phone number 912-660-6469 or Logsden at bind.org there you go guys these are guys that are saying look you can call me well let's talk let's let's drink some coffee let's do a zoom call at night. whatever it takes let's talk about it hey guys let's go get a tattoo together what's going on <laughs> <laughs> oh y'all are killing me today you're gonna get me this guy's gonna be on hold. what are y'all doing down there um Oh, man. So thank you so much, guys. Thanks for being with us. And thank you for watching today. Make sure you comment. Let us know who you are. We'd love to connect with you. And this is made possible because of the CP. Guys, um, there's so much. When we think about CP, a lot of times we just think of missions overseas. But we're able to do the stuff we're doing today to get you this information because your church is faithful uh, to CP giving. So thank you so much uh, for doing that today. It has been a great day. Um, I look forward to continuing these conversations with you guys and with others out there. So. Thank you so much for being with us. I think that's it for today. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, God bless you. And go make world impacting disciple makers. God bless. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.